Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your GG Replay for Monday, January 24th, 2022. GG Replay is, of course, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast where we break down the latest in gaming news hosted by us, the Goodnight Groofs, a place for games well, you know what? And a place for some gosh darn goofs. We're we're workshopping the slogan. My name is Paul, and I am joined, as always, on this beautiful Monday. Well, as often, by Matt. You weren't here on Friday, Matt. We missed you. How are you doing? And uh, how was your how was your weekend? It was a good weekend. It was a good relaxing weekend. Had a lot of time to just lounge around, which was nice. By the way, the Friday show, I listened to it uh, during a. A workout yesterday hey. on the on the old elliptical. It was good. It was a great episode. You guys did a good job. It was fun to listen to you and Josh together is always a good time. So uh, yeah, good. It was a good. It was a good talk, and I liked Josh's takes on the Activision Blizzard Microsoft stuff. It was all really interesting. So good work on that, Paul. I do want to say. I love that I never know how you're going to open the show. <laughs> it's, <laughs> sometimes it's just totally out of the box. Today was like normal, but still a treat. It was normal, but like different still. So it was a treat. I liked it. I like to improv. I like to keep keep everyone on their toes. Just like uh, last week where I think on the Wednesday episode where I used ample uh, sound bites uh, and soundboard oh, effects yeah, without, yeah. Uh, without any explanation. I just like to like to keep it loose. Keep it light. Keep me on my toes. Keep me on your toes, Matt. Absolutely. I don't want young. you to know. I Wow. That's great. <laughs> you make me feel so young. You All are right, like uh, five months or something like that younger than me. So I am. Four, I am four. just a little. Five. Four, it's five. Four. Yeah, Six. Five. Six. <laughs> something around that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you keep me young, Paul. Five. Five. Okay. There we go. Five solid months. So there you go. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Uh, I'm, a, I'm basically a baby in comparison. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> let's move on, get into the actual meat of the show, and let's talk about some video games, because that's what we're here for on a beautiful Monday. Monday sometimes can be a drag, but you know what the best part of Monday for us, and hopefully for you, is getting to chat and listen and just have some fun thinking about video games. It's a great time. Right, Matt? It is. It's a fantastic time. I love talking about video games. Good answer. All right, let's get in. Before we get any further, just a reminder, corrections and comments. We actually do have a correction that uh, Matt brought up, which is important. According to Japanese publication NLAB, Sony is actually denying reports of ramped up PS4 production due to PS5 shortages. So we did we did talk about how we did talk about that story that was going around everywhere about how they're ramping up PS4 production due to PS5 not selling so well and needing to still do that. Well, not selling so well, but not being available to purchase. Um, Sony told NLAB that there were never plans to stop PS4 production at the end of 2021. So technically it's not, quote, ramping up. So, I mean, they're still, they're selling as many as they were selling. They're not ramping up production. Uh, but that being said, I mean, the story is basically true. It's just about the right. framework of it, right? They're not, they're not like, oh God, we have to sell more PS4s. Um, but more like, oh, we're just, we do have to keep selling PS4s, but that was in the plan the whole time. They, so they say, I don't know, right. I, but that's, that's Sony's point anyway on that. So fair, fair to say. If you at home come across any necessary corrections in today's episode or just want to leave us a comment, you can send an email to ggreplayshow at gmail.com so we can address them in the next episode. Matt, do you ever think we're going to stop saying dot com 
Uh, well, I guess there's different domains, right? But imagine like if I just said, if I just said GG replay show at Gmail, I feel like you'd get it, right? Yeah, I, I think you would get it. Although, is there a, like a gmail.co.uk or something like there's that? Not gmail. a gmail.ca? There is not a gmail.ca, so I don't, I don't huh. know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I you think would get it. I think you'd get it. So maybe I'll, I'll save a couple seconds uh, there. And I'll take <laughs> yeah. a couple seconds uh, to just to do a little quick little pause here. No, I'm kidding. All right. Let's move on to the first story of the day. Elden Ring. The much-anticipated game from From Software has gone gold. This is pretty exciting. And also will apparently take about 30 hours to beat. The developers from Software are now working on a day one patch that will include updates and optimizations. Good to see they're working on day one, which is really, really great. Gone gold. We're working on day one. We are we are in the end zone here. Matt, did I use that correctly? Uh, in the red in the red zone. When it launches, we'll be in the red in the end zone. Okay, okay, that's very fair. Producer Yasuhiro Kitao said, playtime will vary depending on number of factors on the number of factors, but the main route should take players about 30 hours. So just main story, 30 hours, um, because apparently they said that there will be some things towards the end of the story that will diverge. So you so also right, okay. that's kind of important to note too. They they also mentioned in a different article that you know you probably have to play it more than once to really get every piece of content because there's some things oh. that will get choice at the end a little bit that'll change things so that's kind of interesting to note as well the quote here uh, also says the game as a whole is quite massive and contains many dozens more hours worth of gameplay but if we're talking about the main route only it shouldn't take much longer than 30 hours matt that seems pretty fair right i mean 30 hours for elden ring just for the main quest let alone dozens of hours on top of that let alone how many times you will die trying to do this content i feel like you know this is definitely going to give players the kind of experience they're looking for yeah i'm not a hundred percent sure just because i haven't like i'm not a big from software guy i haven't played all their games and i certainly haven't beaten any of them but i do think that this is in line with other games that they've released if not actually longer as far as the main storyline goes i think that this is probably going to be content wise especially being open world it's going to be the biggest game they've done thus far so that's exciting it's so. 30 hours for you know for an rpg for the main storyline is i think that's a really good number it's not too short it's not too long i think that's a really good target that a lot of developers should probably go for Especially for a difficult game, because, you know, if yes. you have a game where you can make it super easy and face roll through it, then maybe you want to have 50, 60 hours of content because, you know, otherwise people can just shoot through it super fast. But in a game where it's kind of difficult, I think, you know, it's going to take people longer anyway. You don't want the game to be endless. You know, 50, 60 hours could really drag on to 200 hours or something if you get stuck. And I guess because it is a difficult game and that's like sort of the point that really does make it difficult to say how long the game is because for some people it might be 20 hours for some people it might be 40 hours if it takes you double the amount of attempts on every boss and you know yeah. that that's going to add up so it's i do think 30 is is what they're going with but it's probably it's probably going to vary more than most games would e easier games. 100%. um and one other thing that i did want to point out is that uh, along the lines of, of Elden Ring, IGN put out an article today that explained how From Software is designing Elden Ring to be less stressful than their past games. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easier. They still It's still <laughs> going to be difficult. 
but they're going to have certain quality of life features that they're either adding or improving on previous iterations of their games. Like, for example, one thing that was put forth is shorter runbacks after failed boss attempts, especially if you go back to Dark Souls, like there yeah. are some really long runbacks after you die to like some trash mobs or, or bosses or whatever. So they're going to try to eliminate that as much as they can, especially being open world, because that could get really annoying really quickly if, if people are having to run all the way across a map to go fight a boss again. Like, just get me right back into the action. You know, there has to be some yeah. punishment, but it shouldn't be so much so punishing that it's just not enjoyable. I totally agree. If you if you watch Southern Fried Groups right now on YouTube, their Let's Play is going through, which is, you know, part of our, our Goodnight Groups YouTube channel. They're going through playing original Dark Souls, Josh and Favor playing that. And yeah, some of the runbacks are crazy. And now you guys don't see that because it gets edited out in, in the edit. Usually Mike, you know, cuts all that stuff out. But some of the runbacks, you know, in the recording can be like a half hour sometimes to like sneak your way back or like a really, really long time to be able to do it, especially with Josh too. He has like help. He has Fave come in. He summons them in just to help him do the runbacks because it takes so long and it can be so tough. Uh, so yeah, so there's, there's crazy stuff, a little inside baseball there. But yeah, it's... It's wild. There's a level, right, where it's like punishing versus being fun. It's like being difficult for the sake of being difficult or being difficult in a fun way where like they design a really difficult, interesting boss versus right. it's just like needlessly long that like, you know, needlessly takes you back to points that aren't really even fun to go through anymore. And it's grueling for the sake of being grueling. And I think Dark Souls kind of has a rep for that. And I think, yeah, that was important for a period and those games will be great and those exist still if you want that experience. But it's cool that Elden Ring might make that like move past that a little bit, evolve further into a more purposeful difficulty as opposed to just difficult because they make you go all the way back kind of thing. So that's kind of cool. It's sort of like how we've evolved from the time where difficulty was just giving the boss a lot of health and making your damage weak. Like now yeah. there are, we have other ways of making encounters difficult and it doesn't just have to be this really long stamina based fight yeah. because we have other ways of making it interesting. Totally. And on speaking of Dark Souls, Matt, you might have heard this story. It's been going around the internet over the past couple days, but the PvP servers for the PC versions of the Dark Souls games, that's all of the Dark Souls games, have been temporarily turned off following reports of a potentially serious security issue. According to those familiar with the issue, an exploit has been, an exploit has been discovered which could let someone remotely run code on your PC, then take control of it, potentially giving them access to your sensitive data or allowing them to run malicious software. This is uh, about as bad as it can get in terms of a video game uh, exploit. This is really, really bad. Uh, it's also been claimed, interestingly, that the same exploit was found in the code for the data mine version of Elden Ring. Uh, which will presumably also be fixed, probably a day one patch thing. Uh, but that's, you know, that's bad. Uh, I didn't include it writing here, but I did see this in some of the articles that this has been kind of brought up in the past by other players um, and from software kind of ignored people bringing this up. Uh, so they actually purposely exploited it uh, in, a, like an, in, a, in a safe way where they didn't, you know, give anyone a virus just to kind of prove that it happens. Uh, they did it, I think, live on someone's stream on Twitch. Uh, and that uh, so that kind of brought this to the attention of from software, but it does seem like obviously an issue that's like persisted throughout their games. It was even still in Elden Ring. Uh, that's pretty crazy that that was so baked into the game, right? Like in all of the games, it really seems like a piece of their um, 
you know, like their match, the invading uh, feature, right? It seems like a piece of that was built in. And then they say, it's, what's kind of interesting is it seems like I guess they use that code or that framework going from like Dark Souls 1 to 2 to 3 to even Elden Ring, which is kind of wild. Yeah, it's not good when your game gets to a point where it can be malware. And that's why they had to do this because it got so... So it, the story became so big that, you know, Valve doesn't want a game like that on Steam where people's PCs are going to be at risk. You know, you don't want people getting their PCs bricked or identities stolen through Steam, right? right. Like that's yeah. it, games should be a safe place from that. So this reminds me the way that this was demonstrated and how you said it was it was done sort of safely on someone's stream. Yeah. That's like the good version of what happened with all the Titanfall stuff where they sort right. of did that, but in a little bit more of a malicious way. Although, you know, they, they eventually got EA's attention. Unfortunately, EA didn't do what they wanted. They kind of went the opposite direction, just decided to shut everything down. <laughs> yeah. So that, so that sucks. Um, but yeah, it, it reminded me of that and that they were using the exploits as a way to show how bad things were. And FromSoft, obviously has responded differently than EA did and they're just shutting off PVP and hopefully going to put some fixes in and, and get this issue all worked out and hopefully everything will come back online pretty soon here because I know that's a really big part of specifically Dark Souls 3 um, yeah. where players can just come in and, and invade you as you're playing if you have that turned on. I've, I've seen it happen to Josh a few times when he was playing <laughs> Dark Souls on stream. It's it's really funny. It's it's yeah. scary as hell, <laughs> but it's, it's kind it's really of like cool. the it's kind of like the Deathloop thing where they 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 kind of maybe yeah a little bit yeah with yeah Ju with Juliana right invading your game. Yeah, they definitely took that from uh, right. the Dark Souls games. I would I would assume they or at least were inspired uh, yeah. by them. Uh, it's a really cool feature. Definitely a feature that need that people need to be able to turn off if they want to. But yes. a very cool feature going forward in single player games and Death Stranding. Now, not right. malicious uh, like PvP type stuff, but players can. You know, it's a single player game, but you can see the effects of other players in your game, having built bridges and, and stuff like that. Super and, cool. And the FromSoft games are similar with the PvP, and then players can leave notes for other players. So I've always thought that was really cool. I love that. I really like the idea of being able to still kind of explore because it can be pretty immersion breaking. You know, MMOs and things like that can be a little silly when you have like a hundred people all wearing goofy gear in like this town <laughs> right. and it's like, and they're all supposed to be like the hero of the story. And, you know, it can right. be a little much. Uh, and I think if you can play a single player game, but then see the effects or have the imprint and the footprint left of other players in that space and, and, and have them kind of show up at, at, at opportune moments, that that's really cool. I think that's something I, like, like I said, I think from software is really on the forefront of, of modern gaming. And I think Elden Ring is a piece of that. And I also think the same thing goes for Kojima and everything. You know, I, I think this is along the right idea. So it's, it's cool to see stuff like that. It's a great um, yeah. way of enhancing a single player experience without and making it optional, but but making it more dynamic because you add in another human being, it's going to totally change the way a game is played. Yeah, which is kind of like life, right? It's like a single player experience, but then there's other people yeah. affecting you as a little bit, right? It's kind of kind of interesting, depending on your life. If you're a loner, then it is like that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah but uh, shit's broken, so don't uh, don't try to, to do any invading right now. Uh, I mean, you can't. So there you go. <laughs> Hopefully, that gets fixed soon.
Now, we were just talking about EA and Titanfall. A good little segue there, Matt, uh, because here uh, is EA again talking about a popular shooter, uh, Battlefield 2040, 20, uh, yeah, 2042. Uh, and we talked about it on Friday with Josh. You know, Tom Henderson came out saying they were disappointed in the performance of Battlefield 2042, both the glitchiness, the the critical reception, the the amount it sold. Uh, it just, you know, it was a big failure on a lot of fronts. Uh, and now Electronic Arts is reportedly considering the possibility of making some of Battlefield 2042's portal mode free to play. This comes, like I said, from Tom Henderson. It's a follow-up to Friday's tweet. He claims the publisher is very disappointed with the game's performance since its November release and is exploring various options designed to salvage the situation, including offering free access to, quote, a portion of Portal. Now, Portal is, of course, the function where you can kind of make your own maps, get in there, mess around, like Halo Forge kind of would be a good description. Uh, and what I don't understand here is what is a portion of Portal? Yeah, I don't like that. I think you either go all in or you don't. I like the general idea because the thing about Portal is that it is, the development for that is, it's done. Like now it's player generated content. So I think it's fair to make it free to play because it's not like the developers are still working on that. They're, I mean, I'm sure they're, iterating on like bugs and stuff that come up at, at times but that's just game development they're not like actively developing for portal at least not in a, in a major way so i think it's fair to make the player creative portion of this game free to play especially when the game is done so poorly at least like throw us some sort of bone yeah and I, and I think I mentioned this with Josh on Friday. I think they're taking a look at what Halo Infinite is doing. And obviously, like Josh said, the game works fundamentally better on Halo Infinite. It's not a glitchy, broken mess. But even if it weren't, uh, you know, people have a lot of expectation for a full price game uh, that has all this extra paid DLC, everything else. Whereas there is a lot, a lot of talk about Halo Infinite getting a lot of, you know, uh, leeway because it's free to play. You know, a lot right. of I can play Halo for free and yeah, sure, I have to pay if I want blue armor, uh, which is kind of crazy. And now, obviously, that stuff's being fixed as well. But, you know, it's worth mentioning that's getting a lot more leeway than something like Battlefield 2042, where people played like a free you know, trial version or whatever when it was first uh, coming out and went, OK, well, you know what? This wasn't good enough and I'm not going to pay the 60 bucks, 70 bucks, whatever to have the option to play it again. You know, I think they might be looking at that, seeing free to play gets a little bit more leeway. And also, like you said, right, I think. Um, they can exploit a little bit the, you know, the work of, you know, the fan base or whoever's left who's making servers, or sorry, not making servers, but making maps and making, you know, player made content and stuff like that, and then make that free. And then people will actually have access to stuff. They don't have to actually put any work in because they're not making the maps. Someone else is, you know, it's, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to do it this way. I can't, I, I can't wrap my head, Paul, around the fact that they, <laughs> released this game in this state for yep. full price and it's multiplayer only there is no campaign again we talked about this a lot when it was happening but to put this out between call of duty and halo infinite and halo infinite ended up coming out right after it because of that surprise right, right? so um yeah i don't know i listened to, you to the what you guys talked about on friday i don't think making it free to play is the answer if unless ea is willing to just like take the l 
And they're saying like, yeah, we'll take the financial loss on this because it was a shit game and we need to win back some goodwill. And we think that financially in the long run, that's going to be better for us. But if the game sold well, we we know that it was like, what was it? Number four in the US in 2021 or whatever. So the game actually did sell pretty well. I but think it seems like it was with under EA's expectations because there's yes. no way they would be dis- so hugely disappointed. I think was the yeah. quote, if it had sold amazing, even if people didn't like it or people were grumpy about it in the gaming circles, they wouldn't really care if it was a monetary success. I just think I, I think it's if if it does go free to play, it's too early because you're just going to anger everyone who did pay full price for it like a couple months ago. It's right. too early. You have to wait a little while. So it makes sense to sort of ease into it with with making portal free. But yeah, the whole portion of portal. I don't like that. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I, I just I don't know, man. I want Battlefield to be good. It's not Battlefield 2042 is not a good game. It's a broken, buggy mess, and it's shouldn't have cost as much as it did for for what people were buying. It just sucks. But if they can somehow turn this around in some way, I highly doubt they will. But if they can find a way to to win some goodwill back, then good for them. But hopefully that comes with the game getting better as well. Well said. I think that's a good place to end that discussion. As we move on to something a little more controversial, a fully functioning fan-made PC port of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is nearly complete and could be released within weeks. This is a Video Games Chronicle exclusive story. Harbor Masters are a group of community developers who are currently working on the PC port of this classic, which they estimate is already 90% complete and could release as soon as mid-February. That's pretty crazy. Um, This kind of reverse engineering is actually made legal because the fans involved did not use any leaked content, nor uh, nor did they use any of Nintendo's original copyrighted assets. So they actually reverse engineered like the code of the game, I think, and then they rebuilt it, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, There was another team that did this uh, with Super Mario 64 last year, I think, uh, and that did, I think, eventually get uh, taken down. Um, but what Harbor Masters are trying to do is do it in a way where they put assets and things in a different folder, I think, somewhere that you can download. And then that's separate from oh. the launching game. And then you put it all together. And somehow this, they believe, should like skirt any sort of loophole legally uh, or like skirt any sort of way that this can kind of get like they, you know, Nintendo can make an argument for it. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know 100% how it worked with the Mario thing. There's also another company, or not company, but another group of of people working on this community devs who are doing the same project, um, but like, uh, you know, parallel. Uh, and I, that was kind of interesting. I was reading about that and they were saying, you know, that they, they have totally different ways of going about how they reverse engineer it. And oh, wow. so they couldn't collaborate. So they're both just kind of doing it, um, but they kind of got beat, which is you know, it sucks. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool. There's a lot of benefits to this widescreen support out of the box um, by the rendering backend they're using fast. And I wish it's fast 3d uh, same renderer uh, that was used for the Mario 64 port. Uh, they also say, quote, we have a roadmap for other things like 60 frames per second. They already did the research uh, to find out what needs to be changed to make this work. Um, the mod, you know, the resolutions, everything's been, you know, up and there's, there's a lot of cool things. It has mod support, which is the big thing. So this is like a faithful representation, but also you you can get in there, use mods uh, like the Super Mario 64 one where you can like make everything look kind of modern, which is cool. Oh, wow. So, 
this is awesome. I love stuff like this. I love, I love teams, not just la- not lazily. I don't want to say that, but just like directly trying to port it. I-, I think it's cool that they're reverse engineering it and trying to do it in a legal way where they can get away with, you know, making this available to users in a way that's not going to get taken down or have to go on the dark web or something. <laughs> yeah. I-, I love when fans are just such a, they love a game so much. That they dedicate so much time and effort into making a version of that that they want. So this is really cool. I'll be totally honest. I don't understand how it's totally legal. I guess it is. That's what the internet is telling me. They are saying it's legal because of this reason. And I'm like, I don't understand that reason. Explain like I'm five, please. But (laughs) that's very cool. If it works, I feel like Nintendo is still going to find a way to shut it down. Because like at the end of the day, even if they didn't steal anything from the game, it's still they're still using Nintendo like IP and characters and stuff. So I don't right Cause I know they're not calling it. They're calling like ship of, they, they have a different name for it. Halkonen or something. And they're not calling it Zelda, but I mean, it clearly is. And the names right. I think are still in the, like the game. So I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it works out for him. I, I saw, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, before we started the show, I was watching a video uh, that Nintendo has since taken down a trailer for a game that is a first person shooter in an open world Pokemon where you're just shooting Pokemon with rifles. (laughs) It's like, why would you, why would you do that? Why are we shooting? Why am I shooting Hitmonchan with a rifle? A new version of, uh, especially Hitmonchan, he can't even get you. He's as close (laughs) range. Uh, especially it's a new version of uh, Pokemon Safari. They used to have the Safari zone. You go and just uh, shoot all the Oh, Pokemon. God. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But it's, yeah. No, it's like it's the poaching version of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it no, reminds me yeah. of uh, there's there's a game coming out called Pal World, I believe, that is basically Pokemon with guns. Cool. But this was like straight up. Po- someone Pokemon. put, put uh, in Unreal Engine, they, they had Pokemon. It looked like Pokemon Snap type assets and yeah it was a first person shooter it was super <laughs> weird i love this cool unreal stuff i just saw like a ue4 ocarina of time thing that someone oh, tried wow. to make and it was just like one big open field with like a, the castle like like oh, one okay. like a town like walden castle town and it was really cool and you know clearly was a proof of concept so cool though so cool to see what people can do with unreal engine i know that's not what we're talking about right now but it, it is cool i, I don't know death to copyright a little bit right like it's been like 40 years let people make zelda uh, ocarina of time games right like <laughs> come on <laughs> i'm cool. surprised that we don't i know that it's a fear of copyright and stuff but i'm surprised that we don't see more essentially fan remakes of old games in new engines i'm kind of surprised that we don't yeah. see that more often we we see a fair amount but it, it seems like something that would pop up all the time and it really doesn't and and i understand because there are legal ramifications to it but you would think that people would want to remake Super Mario 64 all the time. And people yeah. would people would want to remake like the old Harry Potter games that were on PS1 or whatever. But you would think we that you would see that a lot. Yeah. We definitely see like spiritual successors sometimes to those where people decide like, oh, I put all this work into making almost what is a remake of that. But I might as well use yeah. different IP and different characters so that I could actually maybe market it and make money off of it and stuff, which is... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say for the legality, maybe someone can write in and correct me if I'm wrong, but my thought was like kind of ship a Theseus style or something. Like if you decompile the whole game into like pieces, 
and then you copy all of that and recompile it mm. in a new way. Isn't that a new product? I feel like that's some of the way this works. That's why it's so painfully slow for them to do something like this. I don't know. I Not Nintendo's eyes. There's, they'll still go after them, I'm sure. Yeah, Nintendo don't Nintendo don't care. <laughs> yeah. Nintendo doesn't have a lot of other stuff going on for them. IP is literally what Nintendo has in t- more than any other company. Uh, so they, they care a lot. Well, not more than any other company, but more than, you know, Xbox and, and PlayStation and kind of stuff. I think uh, IP is really important. Uh, yeah. And I, and I will say too, um, I don't know. I forget something about, uh, <laughs> okay. Mario. something about Mario or Zelda. Who knows? All right, let's move on to our final story of the day. Valve is adding dynamic cloud sync to steam for PC and steam deck. This is huge. This is actually a really, really cool story. And I've been seeing this all day. The feature will allow players to seamlessly switch between PC and steam deck instances of their games without having to fully exit the game on their steam deck platform. Rather, it can just be suspended. And Matt, this also goes for any PC too. So if you go from PC to to PC, you go from your laptop to your oh. desktop. If you go from your friend's PC to your PC, this is this cloud sync uh, works the same way. So this is like a, I think a feature they put in for Steam Deck, but in the same way, this is a Steam feature, uh, which is a pretty huge. This I think this is really really awesome to have stuff like this. I'm really psyched. Yeah, I the more and more that this becomes a reality, I I think I might actually maybe get a steam deck just because i i don't know man like there's so many times where i want to just get on my switch and just as i'm like going to sleep in bed and i just want to play my switch but at the same time i'm like these are like lesser versions of a lot of these games and with the steam deck yes it's tech it's i mean it's not going to be like a gaming pc version of it but it's going to be better than the switch And there's such a massive library of indie games on Steam. And you probably own a bunch of them already, too, which is crazy. Exactly. There are so many games that I, when I sit down at my computer, I don't necessarily want to play them and and put time into them sitting at at the PC. But if I'm just laying in bed and I have it loaded up on the Steam Deck, yeah, why not? I'll jump in for a few minutes because it, you know, it's it's not going to be as big of a commitment. It feels like, yeah, for a lot of light games, simple games, games you wouldn't like make your whole night, yeah, um, but games that you might want to drop in for a half hour into. Uh, again, I think I think it's huge. And like I think for third third party games, like it's just going to beat the hell out of the Switch. Like if you want to play Nintendo games, obviously get a Switch because that's the only place you can do it. But like also, I don't know, playing Hades, playing. Uh, dead cells playing all that stuff i think this will all be a better experience on steam deck now i don't know i don't know if it will and i'll also say on the flip side too you probably already bought these games or at the very least they will go on some kind of mega sale pretty soon or if you're feeling particularly frisky and you want to you know dual boot windows on there and you can play all of potentially all of your game pass games on your steam deck which is nuts like i mean what like you then you have access to hundreds of games and so many games that we get back into all the the benefits of game pass and this stuff isn't even that hard to do there will be tons of guides for it i'm sure when it comes out this is a really cool product and then again when you get stuff like cloud save maybe you do like playing indie games on your computer but you also want to go to your bed at the end of the night and play a little bit of your save 
the fact that it moves between them seamlessly is huge, especially because this is a product made for people with, I, I mean, let's be honest, this is a product that's well positioned for people who already have a massive Steam library yeah. and probably already play these games on their computer, but also want to be able to get through their backlog when they're not sitting right in front of their computer. So that's I am not looking forward to the day that I get my ass beat by in Halo Infinite by someone playing on a Steam Deck while I'm on <laughs> Yeah. I, that'll be awesome. I'm really excited for that. <laughs> uh, I, I killed some, I played uh, cloud, the cloud version or whatever uh, on oh. my, on my iPhone. I played some Halo Infinite Whoa. on there uh, with like my Xbox controller all Bluetoothed and I killed some people. It was a little laggy because in a part of my house where I don't have great internet and it's cloud, you know, streaming. Um, but I killed some people and I thought, wow, that's embarrassing that they got killed by me. I'm like lagging out and I killed a couple people, uh, probably by luck. And I was like, they got beat by someone on an iPhone streaming the game with their Xbox controller, like Bluetooth to the iPhone. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Competitive FPS is the last thing that is going to work really well on cloud platforms. Eventually it will. The technology yeah, will yeah. eventually be there, but it, that is going to be the last thing <laughs> that really yeah. works well on cloud. But yeah, but yeah, if you can direct download Halo to your Steam Deck on Game Pass on Windows, what's on? Then, it's on yeah. Steam. Oh yeah, it's on Steam. So I don't, but I don't know if that'll be like I don't know if that'll be Proton uh, compatible. Like if oh, that'll be yeah, built up know. like to like work with Linux and stuff. Like I mean, obviously they have like stuff to kind of emulate or wrap or something to make a lot of games work. But there'll probably be some that just don't work. I have a feeling that Halo might be one of them. Uh, but it depends. I don't know. Phil Spencer does a lot of stuff. Works with some, some you know other companies. Maybe they might make an effort to make Halo work uh, on there. It's worth a shot. But either way, this is really exciting. It's exciting for anyone. It's exciting for anyone who has more than one computer or more than one instance of Steam. This is really cool to be able to do this. It's kind of a long time coming. You know, we had this on Xbox for a long time um, and other platforms as well. And it's cool. It's really cool when I can go to my friend's Xbox and sign in and play Forza and like my profile will load up it takes a little a couple minutes but then it does and it's amazing cool. uh, and then i can go home and do the same thing so it's really cool to see that stuff on steam uh, cloud saves the future i don't even think of where my games are saved anymore um and it's yeah. awesome especially especially when I, I hate to say it but like i think a lot of us still have kind of small hard drives sometimes or like don't a lot you know in this vast infinite future a lot of us still don't have like terabytes of hard drive space because we're like getting ssds or whatever else uh and i do a lot of management where i download uninstall download uninstall it's nice to know that when i do that i'm not deleting saves and things like that yeah think about that that's huge and it's really cool to have that all just kind of work in the cloud so loving it all right, Matt. Well, you know what? That is going to be it for today's GG replay. But if you out there, this, yes, you, I'm talking to you, Alistair. Imagine if someone's name was actually Alistair. They'll be freaked out. If you enjoy GG replay and all of our content on goodnightgroups.com and you're feeling super generous, then take a look at our Patreon over at patreon.com slash goodnightgroups to see if any of our three current support tiers might interest you. The $3 plus tier will get you early access to our weekly podcast, Game Grooves. Matt. Game Grooves just came out yesterday yeah. on all podcast platforms. Good show, right? What, what, what did we talk about last week so we can get people a little, you know, maybe an incentive to go check it out? 
Dude, I honestly cannot remember right now. <laughs> we what, t- did, what, what did we talk? We about? talked about Activision Blizzard, uh, and that was kind of the whole show. We talked about the oh, Activision that was Blizzard, this week. Okay, Microsoft yeah, okay. acquisition, uh, and we did a bunch of mini games and things related to that, which was a lot of fun. It was actually, I think, a really, really good episode. We had a lot of uh, awesome stuff on that one, so it's definitely worth checking out. I promise it's more memorable than what Matt uh, has recently. <laughs> I do so to. much group stuff. It's, like, I, yeah. once something is done and out, I just don't even think about it anymore. But yeah, it was a, it was a really fun episode. It was, it was a good episode. It was. There, it was like a forty minute conversation on the acquisition. It was really good stuff. Really good. So if you're interested in uh, you know more hot takes on the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard, or you haven't heard about it until now, uh, go listen because you should probably uh, hear about that. It's pretty interesting. And yeah, like like Matt said, it's like that thing we just talked about earlier where I like to throw uh, little wrenches in the works here and surprise you, keep you on your toes. That was a good <laughs> example of that. Uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, by the way, please consider dropping us a five star review on Apple Podcasts super helpful and also if you're on spotify you can give us a five-star review if you're anywhere else listening to this podcast try if you can to go to apple Podcasts or spotify give us a five-star rating we really really appreciate it uh and if you leave a review saying you did that we'll shout you out on the show because it's awesome any and all support is greatly appreciated and will go a long way in improving all of what we do here at good night griffs matt do you have anything else to say before we head out of here I need dynamic cloud sync for my brain so I can kind of just like (laughs) remember what we did on game groups a few days ago (laughs) right? (laughs) without having to really think about it. I'm I'm on a different device, right? And it just pops up. uh, It's a new, uh, it tells me exactly what I did last week. Exactly. I query the server and then yeah. immediately it, it downloads. It hears game groups and it goes, oh, yes, <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> January 23rd. We talked about this. Yeah, that's perfect. We should have that. Also, for some reason, it's like a vaudevillian uh, voice in your head. <laughs> I don't know why that's what's happening. Uh, all right. Speaking of vaudeville, someone is actually pulling me off the stage with a cane on my neck. So that is going to be it for today's GG replay. But we will see you again on Wednesday for another one. Until then, though. Good night, Groofs.